0: Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water.
1: For those of you who don't know, we are the co-founders of Rep Your Water, a design-driven apparel company dedicated to providing high quality gear for anglers everywhere.
0: My current favorite piece in the line is our Retro Camo Merino Blend Sun Hoodie. It breathes incredibly well, blocks the sun on hot days, and is also a perfect base layer.
1: And you drew the camo pattern yourself, which makes it even more unique.
0: Ah, that's right.
1: (laughs) I'm always gonna pick our Merino socks as my favorite. We have a nice variety of options for styles, and they are excellent for all seasons.
0: Check out the full collection at www.repyourwater.com. I'm Garrison Doctor.
1: And I'm Corinne Doctor. And
0: this is Fishing Stories.
1: Welcome back to a new episode.
0: Here we are. And uh, today we're going to talk about one of our favorite places Chile. Chile. Specifically, southern Chile, Patagonia.
1: Yes, the Aysen region. um, We have talked about Chile a couple times on this podcast. We even had the man himself behind Chile Trout Lodge, Pancho, on season one.
0: Yeah, go back and give that a listen if you haven't checked it out yet.
1: And we have now fished down with Chile trout twice. The pandemic, of course, like all things, put kind of a pause On us getting there. Chile was locked down more than most countries.
0: Yeah, and definitely more than Argentina. And for those of you who are not clear on your Patagonia geography, Patagonia is the southern tip of South America, and it it encompasses both Chile and Argentina. So you can be in Patagonia in Argentina, and you can be in Patagonia in Chile.
1: And they are different countries.
0: Different countries. Patagonia is just the region.
1: That is a good clarification, Garrison.
0: Sometimes that gets a little sticky
1: it can confuse people you know they both speak spanish but different spanish
0: that's right that's right so yeah go back and listen to that first episode if you haven't but this area is one of our favorites for a number of reasons the culture the people the food the geography of course the fish but in terms of the geography it's really unique in terms of how much is right in that close area
1: and the Isen region has an incredible amount of fresh water between the glaciers that hold fresh water, the lakes, the rivers, it has just an incredible amount of water and a lot of it holds trout.
0: Right. And a ton of springs too. That's a big piece is all this. Of course, anybody who has fished a spring Creek or a spring fed system, that constant temperature nutrient rich spring water really does some
1: wonders on crystal clear. Yeah. Yeah. You can just drink right out of it. Right. And the trout love it.
0: The trout love it. Yeah. So, I mean, down there, you could fish what, We're in Spring creeks, lakes, all of it close.
1: Yeah. And in totally different environments. So, in the two times we've been down there, we have fished lakes and rivers in the temperate rainforest. We've fished up on like the Pampa, which is sort of like plateaus, a little bit more. For those of you who have fished in Wyoming, it feels a little bit more like that. Um, and then also some like freestone rivers that feel a lot like montana or colorado just a little bit more lush
0: yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we floated um a section of the simpson river this last time um and it was very western river-esque except from my perspective consistently the structure is way better yeah in other words like Every run almost and bend has so much depth and cover and structure. Yeah, there
1: were like huge sunken logs in holes that were like 20 feet deep. Yeah,
0: it's like every little spot you're like, "Mm, there could be a giant brown in there.
1: And I think we should point out, we talk about this a lot when we talk about locations that we fish and that our guests fish. Trout and salmonids are not native to the Southern Hemisphere. So all of the trout in Chile are introduced. They're not currently being stocked as far as I'm aware.
0: Yeah. I don't know of any stocking programs in Chile. Yeah. So, I mean, they were introduced a very long time
1: ago. And now they are running wild and running the yeah. show.
0: It's crazy that th- when you fish there, it's really hard to imagine it without trout because right. the habitat is so good. And the bug life. Yeah, the
1: food around for these fish is
0: plentiful. And the bug life is, I mean, there's some different things and some different beetles, don't get me wrong. But in terms of aquatic bug life, it's like, oh, there's mayflies, there's caddisflies. Yeah. There's midges, there's leeches, there's damselflies. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. All the
1: things trout love to eat. Yeah.
0: It's like, what do you mean there weren't trout? The interesting thing, too, is in a lot of these systems, there wasn't a predatory fish or trout-like fish that filled that niche in some systems there was and still is they call it a perca or a perch but it's not doesn't quite do the same thing
1: it's not quite it does kind of seem a lot more like a european perch in the river yeah in the way that it acts but it also doesn't seem like there were as many of them right. As there are now trout. And so it seems like the ecosystem was just waiting for trout to show up. Totally,
0: And some of these systems we're going to talk about today that are spring fed, you know, lakes and rivers that are connected. uh, There were, there were no larger predatory fish at all.
1: Right. There are a lot of birds that eat those aquatic insects. There's grebes. For those of you who don't know, Garrison and I are also avid bird watchers. And we're not like all of you who have now just started bird watching.
0: Yeah. We've been (laughs) entwined in the bird nerd (laughs) realm for a very long time. I mean, I started keeping my life list in 1995. I'm dating myself.
1: I think 1993. 1993. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Not to talk about how old you were then or now, (laughs) but uh, we do love a bird story now and again. That's right. Well, this last time that we went down, it was around Christmas, which was similar timing to the last time we were there in 2019. Um, And it's, really before the season really gets going down in Chile it's still I mean it's Patagonia the weather is always iffy but it's still pretty chilly most days you could get a rainstorm you could get a huge windstorm
0: it's sort of like being at high altitude here in Colorado like it could be beautiful and 75 and sunny and then all of a sudden it could change very rapidly and it could be 45 and raining and quite cold
1: yeah And so we were prepared for all of that except for the heat our first day that we got there we were like are we even in patagonia yeah
0: i was like i don't i don't like it it doesn't feel right (laughs) this is way too warm and sunny and then the whole rest of the trip was cold and off and on raining and we wanted that day back
1: no you have to live with what you got yeah
0: (laughs) i do love a good wading jacket day if
1: i'm being honest it's true uh it's very versatile really what i want to cover today Garrison. Yes. Is what we have affectionately called the troll in the hole.
0: The troll in the hole. Let's talk about it. So for those of you who have not, you probably have if you follow any type of social media um, fly fishing related. But um, we were fishing one of our favorite lakes. Uh, We call it secret lake number 17.
1: Indeed. It has a real name, but we don't know what it is. And so now it's just called Secret We do 17. And
0: so we we can't even tell you if we wanted to. Also, I think it's all private.
1: It is private. Yeah. But Pancho with Chile Trout has access. Yes,
0: obviously. Um, but it's a really fascinating lake. It's beautiful. It's spring-fed, um, like we're just discussing, a lot of springs in this area. And so it has a massive amount of aquatic life of all kinds. And a lot of uh, big reed beds and and weedy flats and just huge food production areas in the lake. But it has one section where there is an island in the lake. And the island is, I mean, decent size. What would you say?
1: It's sort of like two smaller islands connected with a very weightable channel. Right. Um, I mean, they're small. I once had to sprint from one end to the other just to get a net and I made it back quickly. So, right it's like maybe 50 yards like the size total? of a
0: big house maybe or yeah. something and they're they're just grass grass islands um but when you walk on them in certain areas you can feel the ground is undulating yeah. almost like you're on a big stiff waterbed, because there is water that moves underneath at least in tunnels or channels.
1: Yeah, there's like a little mini creek system underneath.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if this is a result of the springs or the particular um, substrate. My geology is not the best. But this island has these sinkholes both around the edge of it and then also in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, and they're visual sinkholes. Like when you're standing on the edge, you can look out and see... There's weeds all around, and then there is a deep, deep hole. And it could be four feet across. It could be 10 feet across. Um, And then you walk along the island, and there are like two or three in the middle of the island that are exactly like that.
0: Right. And the first time we were there, we fished all of them. Uh, but the only places we caught fish were the ones on the edge of the island. So, you know, they're in open water. They're just like deep holes yeah. right at the edge and kind of in these flats. And that made sense to me, right? It's sure. like these fish can go in and out of there. They can hide there. It's a perfect ambush spot. It made total sense.
1: And you me. can kind of picture them a little bit under the island too. Right. Like it's an undercut bank of totally. sorts. Yeah.
0: It's like a big undercut bank. Makes sense. And you're fishing to these fish that, like Corinne said, they're, they're deep. So usually you're dropping a heavy streamer down to them. And it's an interesting hook set because of course, a lot of time they eat on the drop, which makes it a little tricky to feel.
1: Yeah. You You have to be careful. Some of it's visual. Like I remember the very first fish I caught out of one of those holes, it was on the drop and I just saw a gold bar like swipe around. Right. And at the time I started setting, you know, something of course clicked. Once you've fished long enough, you kind of instincts kick in. As I was starting to set, Poncho was yelling set at me and we landed that fish. But it was kind of mind blowing that that was what we were doing.
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, just some gorgeous fish in this lake. Nice average size too. I mean, it's a big fish. But when we were there the first time, Poncho was like, oh yeah, we have to fish these holes in the middle of the island. And I was like, what? What? This thing is maybe three feet across.
1: Poncho is very sarcastic too. And so we were both like, is yeah. he messing Some, with us? Sometimes
0: it's hard to read. You're <laughs> like, is this guy gonna make me fish this and then laugh about it the rest of the day? Or like, what's the deal? And he was like, no, no, they are connected underneath to the main lake. So he has seen many times where somebody hooks a fish in one of these little sinkholes that's in the middle of the island. Right. And if you don't hold them there it takes a pretty good amount of pressure as a decent sized fish, they will run underneath and out into the main lake and be jumping in the main lake and you have your line wrapped underneath the island.
1: And you're never going to see that fish to hand.
0: Yeah. You're proper fucked at that point. (laughs) Like that's not coming back. (laughs) You're just hoping you get your fly
1: line back. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this time we had to check the holes again.
0: Yeah. So Corinne was uh, catching some nice fish on the edge, as I recall. And I ended up with Poncho and he was like, okay, let's, let's try this hole, but we have to approach it very stealthily. Sneaky,
1: sneaky. sneaky. Yeah. And
0: I think, you know, like I said, you can feel the ground moving. So you have to be kind of careful about vibrations on this Island. And of course your silhouette. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so he snuck up very low so he could peer a little bit into the hole. And I stayed back as far as I could and dropped this heavy jig streamer in. And it was like, Three, two, one. And he was like, set. And I felt a little tick and nothing. And I was like, oh no.
1: <laughs> chance over.
0: Because I feel like 99% of the time, a big brown, if they move at your fly, even if they don't get hooked, hooked, that was your chance.
1: Yeah. They're just too snobby sometimes. They're not sometimes. coming back. Right.
0: Like that was it. Yeah. Like you had a chance you missed it. You yeah. Know? And I was like, shit. But I was like, go back, go back, drop in three, two, one, set. And I set. it was, I was on it and it was solid. I mean, I was putting a lot of pressure on this fish. It was on a nine foot six weight, just trying to hold
1: this thing. And what, like one X?
0: Yeah. 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 Luckily on like one or two X. Well,
1: I wasn't too far away and I knew you guys were messing around with the holes, but I had in my mind the success rate from... The last time we were there, which was zero, zero fish, zero hook sets, like nothing. So I wasn't paying that much attention. And I just heard all this yelling. For anyone who's ever fished with Garrison, you know he yells, or if you've seen any videos of him fishing. It's a lot of yelling. It's a vocal experience because excitement levels are high.
0: Excitement levels are high. Also, we'll probably empty out the profanity vocabulary at some point during the day.
1: Absolutely. And I wasn't that far away, and I had my back to them, but I heard the yelling. I turned around. I see the bend in Garrison's rod as he is trying to hold this fish. And I grabbed my phone, and I was like, there is no way this is happening. So I grabbed my phone, and I started... you've seen the video i started videoing this is i'm
0: videoing it's
1: my made up word i'm videoing as i'm running over to watch i think i
0: was yelling at you to take a photo
1: or something yeah that sounds about right um and so i came upon the scene as garrison's got like a full question mark bend in his rod yeah
0: yeah i mean it wasn't that long of a fight because i just held the fish but it was a little squirrely a very strange trout fight i mean literally in a hole but this hole is like 20-25 feet deep
1: absolutely so it's
0: a strange fight we landed the fish gorgeous brown um and like really dark yeah it's interesting because the fish in this lake are stunning they're beautiful like the open water fish incredible gold colors and blue cheeks and the spot patterns are just quintessentially brown trout
1: and like bright-eyed you know you're kind of like even in the
0: early spring they carry a lot of color for sure and this fish was dark yeah he lives in those holes
1: he lives in the hole he lives in the channels he lives under the island Yep.
0: and that color had adapted and we dubbed him the troll in the hole
1: and there he was and it was one of the cooler things i've watched happen super fast bite put the fish right back in his hole obviously that was his home he was so happy there um And we knew that the video was cool and we knew that the story was cool. Right. Um, And so we were really excited to like put it on Instagram. Of course, we have the content. We have to share it with the people. I I didn't think it was going to be that cool.
0: I didn't either. It really took off. And the other entertaining thing about it, and I think one of the reasons why it really went with the algorithms on our social media is because there were some trolls on the troll in the hole.
1: There were so my favorite one I think was somebody who accused of, of us of seeing a video on YouTube from like when GoPros first came out from Norway, from Norway, or Sweden. Norway, Norway, um, and said that we were abusing animals and that, that we had like we had
0: faked it,
1: faked it because
0: we saw the real video.
1: Yeah, something along those yeah. lines.
0: Also, if you watch the the quote-unquote real video, which is a great video. It's but, a great video. a somewhat similar situation. I mean, it is a hole, a little bit bigger. The guy gets a brown, not as big, still a great On fish, a dry fly, which is pretty cool. On a dry fly, which is cool. And then he drags it out and kills it, which I think is really funny for the fish handling accusations.
1: Right. I mean, obviously, <laughs> he was eating it. And right. if, if you're going to eat that's, a fish yeah do it
0: no that's fine but I don't know if you should look down at me for fish handling
1: <laughs> I don't think so no so that was a really good one there were other people that thought we had caught the fish in the lake and then put it in the hole right that was a good yeah, one because, or like
0: put it in a cooler and re-released right. it or something
1: yeah. yeah so there were some pretty funny comments right. and or
0: some people were like this poor fish, why didn't you put it in the main water? Right. Like, no, he can go.
1: He can go wherever he, he can wants. He go wherever he
0: wants. That's his zone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was really entertaining because having seen it and being there and watching the whole thing, it was amazing. It was so cool. And then just to like have a chuckle of other people's interpretations and like what they were reading into that yeah. was just totally outlandish. I had a good time. Yeah. Really. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Lock & Co. Whiskey.
0: Distilled right here in Colorado and finished with hand-cut, charred Colorado aspen wood discs, this whiskey is as unique as any trout stream.
1: It has now won gold three times in the San Francisco World Spirits competition.
0: You'll want to grab a bottle for your bar at home or to take on your next
1: adventure. Check it out at your local liquor store or at LockAndCodeDistilling.com. Lock is spelled with an E.
0: Well, this time as opposed to last time we fished more moving water,
1: more rivers,
0: because the first time we were there, as Corinne mentioned, kind of before the season officially opens, you know, we were there very early. And the first time we were there, the rivers, all of them were extremely high. And so we mainly fished lakes and we love fishing lakes, Um, but we were excited to fish some rivers this time, including some new water. And you caught some great fish on some of the smaller Simpson tributaries that we fished, including our member A really cool brown.
1: Yeah, we fished a river called Los Huemules, which I think is a great name. It's one of the smaller deer species. It's in the whitetail family. I don't know.
0: Is it small?
1: It's small. Uh. We haven't seen one because they're incredibly endangered.
0: Yeah, they're very rare.
1: Yeah, it's not as small as the cute little pudu deer. The pudu is like the mouse deer. But it's a Patagonian endemic and it's only found in this very small part of right. Chile and Argentina. It's very rare. The first time we were in Chile, apparently, Poncho yep. saw one yep. while Garris and I were asleep in the back.
0: Yeah, we were in the truck, but had both fallen asleep. You know, it's long flights. and
1: It was our first day.
0: We'd had a heavy drinking night on our opening night. And so we were taking a little car nap
1: and he didn't wake us up. Didn't wake us up. He now was like, oh
0: yeah, there was a Wemul.
1: Now he knows the rules are always wake us up for Wemulis. But so instead of seeing Wimbledon, we went and fished the river that is named in their honor. Um, And it's a pretty cool piece of water. It has some of that beautiful turquoise color that a lot of the Chilean rivers have. Um, Definitely smaller water. But for us, I don't know if you felt the same, but like the average size of fish was bigger than that size water would have like here in Colorado. Yeah. And there were both browns and rainbows in there, but the browns averaged a little bigger Mm -hmm. um, and they would eat anything. I mean,
0: and just, I don't know, such a healthy river in terms of numbers too. Like some of the spots that we get into, it was like, we'd trade off on fish and you end up catching a lot of fish out of one
1: spot. Yeah. There was that one cliff where like the two, like, Currents from either side were coming in and just like charging into the cliff. Right. And of course, that piles up food. And so it was every cast just like one inch further along the cliff wall.
0: Heat fish out of that hole.
1: Then we had to take a lunch break because that was a lot of work.
0: A lot of work. And we did get some good dry fly fishing in there too, although it was still a little early in the season. I guess this particular piece of water can be fantastic dry fly fishing a little bit later on in the season.
1: Yeah. And when we moved up further after lunch and we saw some of those pockets, it's like, yeah, of course you can just take like a nice stimmy or even a hopper or yeah. whatever. And I imagine behind every rock you could throw a dry fly and catch a fish. Yeah. Um, but my favorite and most memorable fish from that day was right after lunch. So we like totally had a blast on that cliff wall and then the river split around an Island. You went right and it was yeah. kind of like a lakey section with like a little current yeah. on the side. Gino
0: wanted me to look at that spot specifically. So yeah. you stayed on the other side.
1: Yep. And I said, okay, I'm gonna let the boys go over there. I'm gonna go up this left side and just see because it looked like there should be some more water up there. It was really narrow though, like super narrow but deep slots like a lot of these places we Yeah, we've and we're seen. not
0: talking about a lot of CFS coming down this channel. I mean, no. it was a small little channel, but like you said, some really interesting little deep rock
1: slots on the top. Yeah, and I still had on like a nice heavier beadhead streamer on from when we were fishing against the cliff wall. And I looked up ahead and I said to myself, like, okay, don't charge up there. Like this is small water, even though there is some current and like I'm not, probably going to spook every fish. Like if the fish that I want is in here, like you got to be sneaky. Smart
0: grin. Don't move too fast. Don't move too fast.
1: I can't ever move that fast, but
0: (laughs) that's good. (laughs) One of the pros of your short legs. That's
1: right. And I just, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, where have you seen a scenario like this before? And here in Colorado, we love to play around with some tight line nymphing. Now, a lot of people are anti tight line nymphing or euro nymphing or check nymphing, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are some people who just think that it's not purist. Like the only way you can catch a fish and have it count is a dry fly. Sure. I don't subscribe to that.
0: No, I mean, I have to get on my little euro nymphing diatribe here. I subscribe to the ethos that. Learning a new way to fly fish is a fun, b teaches you some things that you can then spread around to your point of this story to other scenarios and other ways that you fish. So, for me, I don't tight line nymph all the time, right? I love fishing dry flies, of course. I still fish on big water under bobbers, I like looking at a bobber, I don't hate that either. Right? I love fishing streamers. That's one of my favorite ways to fish. But for me, tight lime nymphing is fun as opposed to bobber fishing sometimes because it's very tactile. It's also
1: more visual than a bobber.
0: That's true. It can be for sure. And then sometimes, you know, because you are tight to the fly, a nymph eat feels more like a streamer eat. (laughs) You can really feel that fish grab the fly. As opposed to how much delay is in your rig if you're fishing under a bobber and you have to wait for everything to come tight. Bobber goes down and then you set. So yeah, anyway.
1: My continuation of the diatribe is I don't ever subscribe to that like dry fly only situation because for as many people who are out there that love fishing and love fly fishing, there's that many approaches to water and that many approaches to the sport. You know, like it's just a little bit too high and mighty to say that like everybody should care about it the same way and like to do it the same way because everybody has their likes and right. levels like learning levels you've got to learn something somehow and for me that's exactly what this was like i had played around with some tight line nymphing well I do quite a bit of tightline nymphing. Yeah,
0: you were slightly <laughs> reluctant at the first, but let's be brought, honest, you're fairly experienced in this. Fairly part.
1: experienced now. Um, and then playing around a little bit more and more with like tightline streamers. And so I look up ahead of me and I see this slot and it is super deep. And I thought that's where the fish is for sure going to be. And with most approaches to water like that, like your first cast counts, you know? Right. And so I kind of gathered myself. And I was like, all right, if you mess up the first cast, and again, like we were just talking about with brown trout, they're usually not that forgiving and they're not going to come back. So I got myself all sorted out, get one little cast right to the top of this slot. And it was like a dry fly streamery. Like I was already tight to the streamer because I was prepared for it. As soon as that streamer entered the water, this for the water, big brown came out and smashed it and I had nowhere to go with this fish like it was gonna try to take me all the way down into that bigger pool I was on like 3x at that point so like not super fine but not you could also get into trouble yeah you don't really want to horse it around too much on the 3x especially with all these rocks around so I started yelling for the boys. I was like, I need a net. There's no way I'm landing this fish by myself. And sure enough, in came the support system.
0: Yeah, luckily we weren't far away. And just a great looking brown. You know, some of the fish in Chile really have a, that Chilean look to them. Yeah.
1: Like the, the bigger spots. Out
0: spots. Yeah. yeah. They look, you know, it's interesting. They've been there for long enough to our conversation earlier that they really have adapted genetics and adapted the you know their coloration I know. and that was just a, a quintessential Patagonian brown I
1: know and it's small creek it's funny it was probably only like 16 inches right but for the water it was like a big one and right. just like the full-on targeting it wasn't sight fishing because I couldn't see the fish but I knew it was there right. you know it was like one of those like zen yeah. moments where I was like here we go yeah. we're gonna tango love it So that was a memorable day on that Creek. So I was really grateful that while the last time we only fished lakes, that's what the conditions called for. And that's what the early season is like, you know, you kind of have to figure out what's going to fish. Well, I was super excited to get to check out some of those smaller creeks. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I had another very memorable morning. We decided to fish Uh, This lake that Poncho likes to call a zero or hero lake. Yes. And the way zero or hero lakes work is that you either catch zero or you're a hero. Correct. They're self-explanatory. Yeah. In (laughs) other words, we're going for big fish, but there aren't a lot of them. So we knew we were going to be putting some time in and we're going to be just casting a lot. And I'm fine with that. Like, I will play the, quanti- the quality over quantity game.
1: And it's definitely like a blind casting game. This isn't yes. like a lake where you're looking for the fish.
0: No, unfortunately, especially with the Patagonia wind ripping like it was that day, um, you're not sight fishing. Like, no. you are slow stripping streamers off of big weed cut edges. And you just gotta rinse and repeat. And we've been fishing for what? Probably like two hours, hour and a half. Yeah. And I was working through just a very small, like a size ten, little lakey leechy thing that I tied, and it was one of those kind of subtle lake eats where you're just like tick, yeah, tick 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 <laughs> tick, you know. Set was solid. Okay, it's moving. It's a fish. All right, this is good. And Poncho runs over and he's like, "Is it big?" And I was like, "I don't know." man. like it's it's just <laughs> it's just out there, you know. And then this thing woke up and it jumped a couple of times. I know,
1: I was watching at that point.
0: And this, it was a buck brown and it was huge.
1: It was so big. And it had that golden, golden belly. Like when it jumped, its belly was like facing us.
0: Which is crazy because it's early spring. I don't know why they're so colorful that time of year, but spectacular colors. We saw it well. And I mean, we're talking about a mid twenties fish here.
1: Oh, for sure. And, and really thick fat,
0: yeah. really thick. And, uh, everything was good. Had him on the reel, like good pressure, not too much pressure, lots of jumps, everything was tight. And I was like, stay glued. You beep. And then it was like three, two, one, and he popped off.
1: It's possible. I was videoing at that moment I as think, well.
0: I think, yeah. <laughs> Just tragic. It that was, was that's one of those ones that, uh, that haunts you a little bit that you want to come back for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I imagine we'll be back.
0: Yeah, you got to go back.
1: I mean, the life at Chile Trout Lodge is pretty heavenly. They treat us very well over there.
0: It's a place to me that feels more like home than almost any other place where we've traveled and fished. A, yeah. I think, you know, I'm. we're from Colorado, so trout anglers at heart. It's what I've been done my whole life. And so the trout country is home to me in a way.
1: You're also made for that climate.
0: I'm made for that climate. It's, it's cool, it's gorgeous. I mean, it just, the hospitality too, I mean.
1: Yeah, well for us Pancho and Karina who run the lodge, their personal family home is on the same property and they are some of our dearest friends yeah they've become family we've only known them for a couple of years but they've become family by now and they treat all their guests with such incredible hospitality and the food
0: is just spectacular of course the chilean wine and cocktails and yeah it's the life down
1: there. It's the life.
0: And spectacular birds for any of you other bird nerds out That's there right. who go to Chile Trial Lodge. You might have some Chilean flamingos out front in the lagoon. They could be there. All sorts of... Blackneck swans,
1: condors, Chilean wigeon. We could keep going on this. Oh, yeah. But...
0: Some good stuff out
1: there. <laughs> yeah, let us know if you need a bird report.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> on that note, I think we'll wrap this one.
1: I think so. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah,
0: and if you have any questions or want any information about chile trout lodge specifically feel free to reach out to us or chile trout lodge just google them up you'll find them
1: exactly thanks so much
0: cheers